Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Knowledge Group podcast. I'll be your host, Andy McLeod. We just want to give you a feel of what you can expect from some of our upcoming events. And we're going to take some time to ask some of our event speakers what they're looking forward to talking about and what current trends and events are really going to be formulating what they're going to be discussing. This week, we're going to be looking at significant trends and updates in data breach class action lawsuits. We're going to be joined by James Westerland, a counsel at Ardent Fox LLP, and David Carney from Baker and Hostletter LLP. Be sure to follow us on social media. All of the instructions will be in the description, along with the link to register for this webcast. You can use code PODCAST25 at checkout for 25% off this particular webcast. That's PODCAST25. All of the instructions, like I said, will be in the description. We're going to hand over to the speakers now. Yeah, I, what I plan on covering for the most part is uh, talking about, you know, the, the case law with respect to uh, motions to dismiss these, uh, you know, putative class action lawsuits. It's usually been a, you know, a big issue. You know, you, you, you get a data breach, you learn about it. They, the company issues the, the required statutory notice. And then, you know, within a day or so, you get some type, one or more class action lawsuits filed against the company. And, you know, typically the first thing to do on behalf of the company is try and move to dismiss. And, you know, the, the, the uh, you know, the court the, originally about, I would say about a year or so ago, I, I did a presentation on this. And the cases were primarily uh, granting those motions to dismiss because these plaintiffs typically um, typically don't allege that they've suffered actual injury as a result of the data breach. Usually they're alleging, you know, more along the lines of a threat of a future harm. And they haven't, you know, there hasn't been any identity fraud or theft at that point that they've sustained. Uh, so the courts were typically granting those motions. What's happened more recently is you know, the, the appellate courts have, have gotten involved over the past year or so. And they've been, they've been, you know, I've noticed that they've been more reversing those decisions and, and, and giving a little bit more leeway to the plaintiffs to allege, uh, you know, threat of future harm being sufficient. And that's an interesting development. Uh, the circuits are pretty much split on this at this point. And uh, I'm waiting for the, for the U.S. Supreme Court to try and, and weigh in on this. And, and they haven't done so yet. Uh, one of the cases, the Adias case, I think it is, uh, that was going to be, you know, I, I know that they – they moved for certification, but the court denied it. So it's going to be interesting to see how this develops. And that, that's in a nutshell, talking about that and, and in addition talking about, you know, the different types of harms that these plaintiffs have tried to allege and, and how the courts have treated the, each of those types of harms. You know, and, that, and just to follow up on, Jim, I did, what, where I will go is, you know, kind of what what happens after the motion to dismiss will be my focus. As James said, there's more, more and more courts are, um, you know, allowing these claims to go forward into discovery, and um, we're starting to see, you know, in the litigation the the issues that arise um, post motion to dismiss in these cases. Not only. Um, from a class certification perspective where this issue is starting to be, be briefed um, more frequently in, in, in cases uh, that have proceeded past the motion to dismiss stage. But then also the, the issues in discovery that arise 
um, from a privilege perspective, we've also dealt with in terms of, you know, what is the nature, what is the extent to which the attorney-client privilege or work product doctrine will protect forensic reports. Um, and, and that preliminary issue and then really getting into, as James said, in terms of harm with some of the issues on, on class cert and are, are related to that in terms of um, what types of harm might be provable or amenable to a, if any, to a, um, a to be determined on a class-wide basis. Looking here, um, you know, one of the things that we're looking to discuss, like you said, was sort of the, uh, the attorney-client privilege. One of the other things that was looking to be discussed as well was sort of a notable data breach sort of class action lawsuits. Is there any sort of insight that you'd be able to give sort of on, you know, in, in in the remaining time that we've got about sort of class actions that are either on the horizon or have recently been dealt with? In the in the Yahoo case, they they just filed their motion for class cert um, last week, uh, the Yahoo email case. Um, and then um, in Anthem, there was a, a class cert was filed um, last year, and then after that, there was a settlement reached. But a lot of the issues um, that will come up and likely keep coming up in the future will be, um, you know, we're, we're set forth in the Anthem briefing and then in the Yahoo briefing, too. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to seeing you on August the 8th for this event. If you can't make it, you can still register, and a recording will be made available. Just remember to use code PODCAST25 at checkout for 25% off this particular event. All the details you need will be in the description down below, and we look forward to seeing you there. Thank you. Take care. Bye now.